You are listening to the 90 Days Later podcast with me, Anna Charles. This is episode 27. Welcome to the 90 Days Later podcast, where I show you how to stop over drinking in 90 days without missing out on life. If you're not an alcoholic, but fed up with saying yes to a drink when you mean to say no, you're in the right place. Hello, everybody. How are you all doing? Now on today's podcast, I want to go back to basics, actually. I want to go back to talking about what spurs you on through a transformation by talking about the compelling why. Now, in my line of work, I meet a lot of people who are eager for a transformation. Now, I work specifically with high-functioning people who want to change their relationship with alcohol. But really, what I have to say applies with anything you want to transform in your life. Now this is super news for my clients because drinking less or quitting drinking entirely is really just the beginning. Because when you get free of the drink reward habit cycle, that's the moment when your life truly opens up and it becomes amazing. Because when you learn that you can experience any emotion on purpose, alcohol loses its interest. It loses its power that you think at the moment that it might have over you, right? So imagine that. Imagine living in a life where alcohol loses its interest and you don't follow through and you don't have a drink. Isn't that wild? It's really an exciting road to travel and one of the reasons I love, love, love being a coach. When people come to me, it's usually because they've set a goal. They've had enough of the impact alcohol has on their life, however minor, right? And they're determined to make the change. They're fired up, they're ready to go, they're all in. But with anything new that you're teaching yourself, the journey's gonna be hard at times. Changing your relationship with alcohol is no joke, truly. But the thing that will get you through and the thing that will encourage you to keep going even in the tough times is to know why you are embarking on the transformation in the first place. Now, when it comes to drinking, specifically, I find, you know, whether it's just to cut back to drinking at the weekend or to give up entirely, you might just look at your goal and say, yeah, of course, it's kind of a no-brainer. It's very sensible. You know, you know it's what you want. You've struggled with this for years. It's really starting to get in the way of your life. And you might tell other people in a similar situation with similar goals, And they might agree, yep, that makes sense. You know, it's a positive step forward. Giving up or cutting back your drinking is going to be great for your all-round health, right? You'll sleep better, you'll save money, your skin will look better. Really, it it is a no-brainer. And there's a risk there, I think, if you stop at that point and say, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And that there's no need to figure out further and dig in why you want to make that change because, well, you know, it's obvious. I mean, I just don't want to drink as much. I don't like it even. Well, I would argue no. Now that that philosophy can get you so far. But as I said just now, there are very tough times. This is not something that most people can do at the drop of a hat. And there are two very strong um, phenomena that are going to be almost sort of working against you as you start the work towards your transformation and you start to try and drink less. Firstly, you're going to be working against generations of programming of, of the human condition. 
this comes back to bra the brain and brain science and the way I talk about it in highly simplified terms so two elements of the brain there's the primitive brain that I like to call the lizard brain because it's really really instinctual and program for survival and then there's your prefrontal cortex your human brain which helps you to basically make the most of your life now when it comes to that lizard primitive brain and that is driven by three things and three things only to seek pleasure to avoid pain and to do both of those things as efficiently as possible right and that made sense back in the day when we were all living in caves survival and security was really the number one preoccupation of humans going outside was dangerous because stepping outside the cave was dangerous and this is indeed why we get a dopamine hit when we do anything even in the modern day that perpetuates our survival like eating for instance we feel good when we eat and that was because we needed some prompting to move out of the cave and be willing to risk meeting a woolly mammoth or whatever you know whatever dangerous creatures were out there and we were driven to do so by this need the survival instinct to eat right so that so we are driven by this desire to uh, stay safe so you enter you put change into that uh, formula anytime you have any kind of change in our lives that is essentially a huge affront to security and to safety and to survival so anytime you set any new routines or actions in progress your brain is going to be screaming what's going on it's on high alert it's going to be screaming danger and will want you to run and hide and this is really just you taking care of you right but there's a huge difference between change and survival in caveman days and in the year 2022 right if you don't eat the cookie in front of you you are not going to starve if you don't drink that glass of chablis at six o'clock you are not going to die but it's going to feel that way in the brain and this sounds really over the top exaggerated but that really is how the brain looks at this in this very binary black and white manner because it's about change and the brain kicks back against change don't downplay this right we we might say well it's ridiculous Anna I mean it's just stupid of course if I'm not thinking I'm gonna starve if I don't eat the cookie but that's kind of our humanness uh working there in the moment when we want the cookie and we've got the desire for the cookie or the wine it is believe you me that lizard brain that's driving the ship and this is why right you can have really good intentions to cut back on your drinking but find yourself with a glass of white poured before you even know what you're doing when it comes to six o'clock right so without any pre-prepared strategy without your why you are more likely to succumb to this primitive brain because you're just letting yourself run along the programming if going against generations of programming isn't enough you also have to contend with all the conditioning you have done right all the habits and condition behaviors that you have created for yourself such as drinking a glass of chablis every time you come in from the office at six o'clock that isn't something that every single human does it's something that you have taught yourself to do and it just so happens to be something that you don't want to do anymore so we're going to have to sort of unpick that uh, programming so you've trained yourself to do this to such an extent that you now unconsciously do these things you unconsciously reach for the drink I often tell the story when I was cooking I used to love drinking and preparing the evening meal and 
One day I was preparing and getting all the ingredients out of the fridge and I looked around and there on the kitchen counter next to the onions was a freshly poured glass of white wine. And you know, it wasn't my husband who had done it for me. He wasn't in the house or he was in the office, I think it was. It was me. I had actually gone to the fridge, taken out the bottle, poured the glass because I always used to drink when I was preparing dinner. Crazy, right? Had no, no knowledge of it and that's because it was an unconscious uh, behavior. So these two factors, the generational, you know, the generations of programming in humans for safety and security and sort of anti-change, as well as all the conditioned responses and behaviors and habits you have taught yourself, explains why you can have perfectly excellent intentions to drop a few pounds, perhaps, then find yourself with a, your hand in a bowl of crisps when you put on the evening meal or when you find yourself reaching for the beer, right, when it's time to cook dinner, despite your goal to quit, right? It totally makes sense. It's all down to this primitive lizard brain behavior. You've programmed this behavior and it's this behavior cycle you have to interrupt to achieve your goals around drinking, right? But we also have a human brain, I alluded to this briefly just now, called the prefrontal cortex. This is the piece of your brain that is on side with change. It's looking out for you. It's your prefrontal that builds your compelling why, your future looking plan. And it's by harnessing the power of this piece of your brain that you can and you will achieve your drinking goals for yourself. By building this, by building your why and using your prefrontal cortex, you can override your lizard brain's desire in the moment, right? It's kind of like, it's it's the ace in the pack. So a compelling why, why you want to stop drinking, why you want to cut back is incredibly powerful. So now that we've talked about the reasons, the importance of having a compelling why, I'm gonna up the ante and tell you why just any old reason won't do, right? You have to make your why so compelling because it has to make you willing to not settle for the alternative, right? It has to make you not willing to say, okay, I'm just gonna have the drink because I feel bad, right? It ha you That status quo, those conditioned behaviors are so strong, your compelling why has to be able to completely outmaneuver them. So what does a compelling why look like? Let me give you a couple of maybe extreme examples, but it'll drive the point home. If you had to pay me a thousand pounds every time you overdrank, that's a pretty compelling reason, right? If you got a bucket of cold water thrown over you every time you hit the snooze button and you get up late, that would start getting you up on time. You see that? You see the difference between well, I'd, you know, I'd like to not drink over drink so much because it's good for my health, maybe. Not quite as compelling as having to pay me a thousand pounds a time. So here's, and here's actually one, so that exaggerated it, but here's actually one from real life. I knew somebody who had tried to quit smoking for years and years and years without success. We probably all know somebody like that. Then what happened is they got a lung cancer diagnosis and guess what? They quit overnight. And what was the difference? Cancer is a lot more of a compelling reason than any of their reasons for enjoying a cigarette. It was more compelling than perhaps 
you know, I don't want to have clothes that stink of cigarette smoke. That might have been one of the reasons. And it certainly was strong enough to override any desire they felt in the moment for a cigarette. So a compelling reason is really the secret source. Now, I like to consider that your compelling why is kind of like your guide for the transformation. It's going to sit alongside you as you go through the days, as you go through managing your urges and doing all of the things that you know you need to do, all of the things that you will struggle with. It will be hard to start with because again, you're learning something new, nothing weird there. And that's the power of the compelling why. It really can help you through all of that. So firstly, I like to see the compelling why as a way to access the possibility of a future that doesn't yet exist. Right? It might be something that you just just seems too fanciful right now, but having this compelling why really takes you into the realm of possibility. And I like that a compelling why is easy to call on and easy to feel. I like to, it has to feel real to you. And it doesn't need to be anything super grandiose. Perhaps you want to stop over drinking because you never want to suffer another hangover again. That could be it. If you've had some terrible hangovers, then just accessing the possibility of a life free from hangovers, right? Maybe that will be enough to then drive you through and, and take the action that you need to do. Secondly, a compelling why helps you change your beliefs. Now remember, a belief is simply a thought you've repeated over and over. Beliefs are not set in stone. Some beliefs are given to you, sort of quote unquote given to you by your family, by friends, by your environment. For instance, you could have a belief that you have to work hard for your money. You could have a belief that you'll always struggle with your drinking because overconsumption of alcohol just runs in the family, right? Could be something that's been handed down over the generations. Whereas other beliefs you have created and grown yourself over time. Now, thinking about this, beliefs tend to be past focused. So taking a, a very simple example, you believe you can swim the length of a swimming pool because you've done it before. Right? If you swim the length of a swimming pool, then you're going to believe that you can do it. By extension to that, it's probably easier to believe that you can swim two lengths of the pool, even though you've never done that before. Right? But when you are creating a transformation, when we are going from you, know, you drink pretty much every day and you, you feel a little out of control with it to having full freedom around it, you know, that feels, and I recall this, it's going to feel like something huge, right? It's a huge brand new transformation that you're working towards. And you're probably pretty light on belief around it. I know I was. So the there's a huge importance in accessing possibility. And to do that, you need to look at your thinking and you need to most likely change beliefs about you. So I really encourage you to create beliefs in your mind now about your future reality. So first, in order to do this, you have to learn how to imagine the future you want, to learn how to visualize possibility. Except here's the problem, right? You may actually be visualizing impossibility 
because despite your best efforts at visualizing it's possible, your brain might be saying, oh yeah, yeah, it's not possible for you yet. It's not been possible all this time. Why on earth is it going to be possible for you now? And I hear this from my clients, right? I tell them, truly, honestly, I feel no desire for alcohol these days, not anything. I tell them I don't spend any time thinking about French Chablis or PIMS. Now that the summer is here, my word, PIMS and garden parties used to be such a thing for me. And they, my clients, they ask me in wonder and amazement, how can that be so? Now I get it. I was there once to go back three years. That was me. I couldn't imagine life without drinking, even though I didn't have, you know, some massive problem. But 100%, that's my life today. 100%. I made for me the impossible possible. And so can you. The key is allowing yourself to imagine that you believe something. Just imagine you believe it. And then to visualize yourself doing and having that thing. And then practice believing it again and again and again and your compelling why is your key to this right why am I spending all this time imagining going through my mind's eye my life without alcohol oh yeah it's because I just don't want another hangover ever again right if that is your compelling why see how it goes so the compelling why is a is it's sort of like I sort of like rocket fuel to help you be willing to do the work to see your future life. Okay, here's a really cool thing, aspect of the compelling why. It actually helps you to reprogram your brain. Remember I was saying just now about one of the reasons why you overdrink is because you programmed your brain that way? The compelling why helps you to back that out. Now think about it. If you don't set any goals and you have no desire for any kind of transformation, we're going to live the same life because we're going to be thinking the same thoughts, which are going to be driving us to take the same action. Right? It's kind of just samey, samey, samey. And you might have had periods in your life when you can kind of relate to that. Well, your compelling why is going to be this massive interrupter that totally interrupts this cycle of sameness because your compelling why is going to let you decide on purpose what you want to think and what you want to create. So you kind of, it's not not watching your life go along on a conveyor belt in front of you, but hitting that big red button that you always wanna hit. And we're gonna be introducing new thoughts and feelings and actions into the cycle. It's incredibly powerful, but it takes effort, right? This is not something that is just gonna happen on its own. You need to put effort into living the new thought, into the, into living into and breathing into the compelling why. Now, I want to be clear, this isn't some kind of positive affirmations, la, 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 you know, positive thinking. But what we're doing here is we're going through the process. I like to think of it as of laying new track in your brain. So if you've got a railway line and it can go along this one track, we want to go to this other destination, we have to lay new track. And the track has to be in place before you can arrive at the destination. That's what we're doing. And just the sheer act of doing this, just the sheer act of thinking about it, looking at the new destination, starting to lay the track, you will move into a new way of thinking where you're going to be reprogramming your brain on purpose. It's totally fascinating. But here's the the really, really, really cool bit. The great news is that the compelling why fuels the change in behavior, right? So why we want to do this, and then again, that's the rocket fuel, you don't remember, I know you don't want any more hangovers, but by making, by doing that and then changing your behavior because of this, in time, 
this new behaviour becomes the conditioned automatic habit response that you'll have, right? Replacing your previous habits. So simply put, right now when six o'clock comes around, you might be reaching for that glass of wine just because it's pre-programmed. You might not even know you're doing it. Do this work and hey, presto, the new unconscious behaviour, programmed response, automatic conditioned uh, programming of your body is to not have the wine. It's freaky, right? The the thing that's that's really holding you almost, it might feel like you're holding you prisoner at the moment, this conditioned behavior, you can completely rewire that so that that conditioned behavior is exactly what you want. It is so powerful. But again, there's going to be ups and downs, there's going to be bumps and rocks and all the rest of it between where you are now and where you want to be. And that's that you're compelling why. Remember I said this is a guide. It's a guide for your journey. So you've, it's, it's, so, it's so cool. I just, I'm almost lost for words every time I think about it. So that you can consign over drinking to the dustbin of history. It is is totally, totally wild. Okay, another power of the compelling why is it actually shortens what I call the feeling bad time. Now, we said just now about the primitive brain not wanting change, and we are going to feel that, you know, as we're, we're going through this, that might be the little voice, you know, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure? I mean, you might even actively ask yourself that, not just in drinking, but in, in anything you do, right? So there's discomfort in change. It's totally inevitable because you're combating all these generations of programming. So when you feel the urge in the moment to pour the glass of wine when you're a trigger point, you're going to at minimum feel conflicted. It's going to feel uncomfortable. You might perhaps be feeling resentful that this is what you're doing. You might be feeling that it's not fair that you're doing this and you know nobody else has to do it. So it's a pretty hard sell at this point because you know the glass of wine is going to make you feel better in the immediate moment because it will and you've proven that to yourself you know time after time after time over the years but you also know that drinking drinking that glass of wine is going to be keeping you in the habit cycle in the long term right you, you know both of these two conflicting thoughts and this is the moment when your compelling why will help you to decide right it's kind of like a powerful um aura that you can put around yourself that is is there to protect and guide you when you're at that moment of maximum desire when faced with your lizard brain saying go on just one glass it won't hurt so the more compelling you can make your why the reason you'll want to make the transformation the shorter the time you'll spend in this feeling bad phase now when i speak to some people about this they you know they want to get their compelling why right obviously it's very important so i'm i'm talking about today but i don't want to you to go to the end first we've got to get this this perfect thing that that's going to be the thing right that makes all the difference it isn't it's just an aid that you can bring in to help you and I actually like to advise people that you might find it useful to have more than one compelling why. I know I certainly did. I had two or three that I would move b- between because you can have different situations that will crop up. Now, let's say, for instance, you're faced with the prospect of having a drink in a pub with all your friends and family there. You might want to deploy your compelling reason about never wanting to suffer a hangover again. That might seem a very powerful one because maybe, you know, you see you see that this is the kind of situation where in the past you would have had a hangover 
but let's say you're at a school parents do you know it's in the evening it's a school play or something and they've got some prosecco a bit of fizz there um and you know the children obviously doing their play and running around and maybe you think actually at the moment the reason i don't want to have this drink is i want to be a really good role model around children right maybe that has the most punch for it at that time so don't go overboard as well have so many compelling whys that you struggle to remember them but i would like to offer that that more than one compelling why might be handy because it might serve more situations but probably the most important in fact definitely the most important criterion for your compelling why particularly when it comes to drinking that it needs to be the compelling why to not drink needs to be much more compelling than the reasons to drink that you are going to be dishing it up to yourself in the moment this really is the ultimate test right has to be more compelling and stronger and worth following than all the reasons you're going to tell yourself why you want that drink in the moment when you've had a mad day when you're tired you're fed up and you're stressed and what on earth whose idea was this to stop this drinking thing i mean this is the one time in the day this is this is your time this is how you wind down this is relaxed you know at the bottom of that glass when you've had that glass you know you're going to feel so 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 much better you can have all these thoughts you i deserve it it's not fair just one won't hurt i'll be good tomorrow i know i said i wouldn't but you know it'll be one or two what's the big deal in fact I recommend you do this grab a pen and paper I want you to write out when you write out your compelling why right when you 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 write that down for yourself also write a list of all the reasons why you drink or all the things you tell yourself even if you don't want to admit it to yourself when you're in the drinking mood right so what is it what is your compelling why going to have to be handling and dealing with in that moment this is a real way, a good way of testing the strength of your compelling why. Because really, it's in that moment when you've just come home from work or you're in a pub, you're at a work stew with free Verve Clicquot that you really need to be able to sit with the urge and bring your compelling why to the fore, right? To recommit to why you want to change your drinking. There's a purpose to this that you, my friend, have decided for yourself, right? And I think the compelling why is so wonderful. I like to see it as surrounding myself and wrapping me up in, in this, my compelling why like I'm in the snuggliest of blankets. Right? This is something that I have put in place for me and I have such strong thoughts about it. And this is, this is really my new belief about myself. So that was it for today. In summary, you know, don't feel bad if you find it difficult to move forward with your goals. You're programmed to be that way. It's kind of how Mother Nature intended us. But I want you to look at your why. Look at your compelling why. Because a compelling why helps you to access possibility. It helps you to change your beliefs. And remember, beliefs are just thoughts that you've thought for so long you no longer question them. Your compelling why helps you to reprogram your brain shorten the time in which you'll end up feeling bad right between setting your goal and achieving it you might find it useful to have more than one compelling why and really the the final piece de resistance the compelling why why you don't want to drink needs to be more compelling than the reasons that you do drink so test it is it really compelling in the moment if not do the work make it more sturdy and you'll be off and running Thank you for listening. 
please do rate and review and share with someone you love. If you have any questions, you can reach me on Anna at 90dayslater.co or if you want to get started on your transformation, if you're high functioning, but you think you drink too much and you just want to be rid of this for good, you can go ahead to 90dayslater.co and click on the blue button to book a call and we'll chat about your compelling why, why you want to do this and I'll build for you the exact plan to help you achieve your transformation. That was it for now and I'll see you next week. If you like what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take the work further and achieve total freedom around alcohol, let's talk. I help my clients stop reaching for that first glass of wine the moment 6pm rolls around and they don't miss out on life. And we do it in 90 days. The effect is permanent. Email me for more information on Anna at 90dayslater.co. And if you did enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate if you'd leave a rating and review to help others find the 90 Days Later podcast.